Welcome to Meet the Church. This is a podcast from Providence Church in Austin, Texas, featuring a new person each week from our congregation. We're excited to discuss the work, interests, and testimonies of our church members to better get to know each other and to talk about experiences with God. I'm Jamie Bennett, and this week I get to talk to Graham and Amanda Donaldson about classical education, good design, and creating a home in Texas. We'll start with Amanda. You said you went to boarding school in the Northeast. Where exactly? Yeah, so I was I was in Stowe, Vermont, for a year, and um, that was just it was basically just hockey. And I lived with the team, um, and we we kind of split. Uh, we we started out school in our in our home states, and then we went to Vermont for the hockey season, and then went back. And then my second year, I was in um, a little town or a school called Berkshire, which is in southwest Massachusetts. What position in hockey did you play? (laughs) So given that I have all my teeth, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, given I don't know any positions, (laughs) um, I I couldn't tell you. I I really don't know. Goaltender. Goaltender. So not goalie, goaltender. Well, same, same difference. Okay. When you meet Amanda, the first thing you think is that's a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay, but so so Graham as a as a Canadian, yeah. Uh, did you was this you know Providence to meet a woman who played hockey? Well, I mean, this- as a Canadian, it's a prerequisite. You have to. It's like it's Canadian law that you have to marry someone who can skate. Uh, that's just part of that's just part of growing up in Canada. So even no. though he couldn't really skate no, no i can skate i'm just not as good as someone who went to hockey school hmm. yeah <laughs> but didn't you have to skate to survive in the great north graham it, I think that's yeah. How it yeah yeah our roads freeze uh coming in about late july so that's the only way we can get around no um yeah no i grew up in in canada and um yeah when i found out that this texas girl who was uh we can was eventually she made her way to Toronto when this Texas girl was a goalie. I was, this is yeah, very intriguing. Your family was thrilled. My family was very thrilled. Oh, no doubt. You're tell us a little bit about your family, Graham, about your dad and your mom. Yeah, so I grew up in Saskatchewan, which is a giant province with no people. Uh, just so if you go north of North Dakota, that's where I grew up. My dad is a professor, was, he just retired. He's a professor of New Testament studies, and he taught for years and years in a tiny little basement seminary in Saskatoon. And then um, when I was in high school, he got a job at Wycliffe College, uh, which is one of the big seminaries at the Toronto School of Theology. Uh, That's where he did his PhD. So he got um, uh, this big uh, professorship, this big chair, uh, the chair of of, of, uh, New Testament studies at Wycliffe. And so when I was in high school, junior year, we moved from the middle of nowhere to Canada's largest city. Amanda, how did you find your way to Toronto? So I started uh, university at a little school just outside of Toronto. I was uh, playing hockey there. 
And after two years, I got totally burnt out. And I had always in the back of my mind thought, well, I'll just, I'll play hockey. I'll get a, a practical degree like economics or communications or something. And then I'll go to design school after. And at that point, I was really interested in fashion design and more on the marketing um, merchandising side of the business. Um, so when I, when I finished hockey and I realized, okay, I kind of, this is kind of a dead end. I I'd like to just get on with design school already. Um, I realized I didn't have a portfolio to go to design school. So I had to like figure out how to make one of those. And I attended a, um, I was in a life drawing class and a friend said, Hey, I'm going to this portfolio development uh day at this school downtown you should come and you know it'll be a great time for us to kind of get exposure and and learn how to put these things together and the school that I did this workshop at um was my first real exposure to the definition of graphic design and I I just had to pick I had to pick a random subject there's the art disciplines and the design disciplines. And I read through the whole curriculum and I just kind of randomly picked graphic design to do my workshop in for the day because it sounded interesting. And as I heard the dean speak about what the program was and what we were going to be learning that day and what the role of designers is um, in society and culture, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is, I, I'm home. So I, um, I switched uh, school and basically started that fall that um, I had to more or less start over with my credits because not a lot of stuff transferred. So I, um, I got one and a half degrees in six years. <laughs> but you finished where you wanted to be. So something just clicked with you in, in graphic design. Yeah, absolutely. And Graham, you were studying... Um, it was a few degrees. Was it one degree or did you also get one and a half degrees? So I did undergrad at the university of Toronto. Um, uh, I had all, I mean, I come from a, an academic family. My sister's, my sister's a professor. My dad's a professor. My mom's a kindergarten teacher. So here's how it works. So mom's a kindergarten teacher. My sister teaches undergrads. My dad teaches PhD students. So to complete the set, I had to go into high school. Like that was just sort of, uh, so we, so you could do the whole thing. But um, so I was doing a degree in uh, philosophy, English literature and theology as an undergrad, really liked it. And then when I was done, I was like, all right, well, now what do I do? Um, and didn't know what to do. So I did what everybody does when they don't know what to do after a humanities degree. And I did grad school. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, my dad was at Wycliffe. And um, so I did a master's of theology at Wycliffe. Um, and uh, was doing, and so I did my, ended up working with a professor there who is uh, um, an expert on C.S. Lewis. And so, since I loved C.S. Lewis all growing up, um, mm -hmm. uh, that was um, yeah pretty influential on in my life. I did a, uh, my thesis on Lewis, and that was a great time. And so, yeah, I was finishing up, or I was in the master's degree right around the time Amanda had transferred to uh, to Toronto, and we ended up. Um, uh, going to the same church. So what was it about Lewis that you wanted to spend your, uh, your whole dissertation your, or your thesis on? I mean, so when I went into undergrad, um, I 
had what many people have, which is like, I had a big first year philosophy survey class with like the hotshot professor on campus who like tries to get kids all jazzed up about philosophy so that they'll they'll major in it. And so I really liked his class and I liked philosophy and I majored in it. Actually, I specialized in it. I I was doing a full full on philosophy um, specialist degree. And maybe about a year and a half into the doing the degree, I just sort of realized, wait a minute, this is, this is all questions without answers. Like this could be, people are just spinning their wheels here. Like I wanted, I wanted to land on things and um, we were um, seemingly uh, in classes and the further higher up the chain you got, you kind of got more specialized and, and people weren't really cons- uh, sort of the further in you got, people didn't, care about coming to conclusions that you could actually practically build a life on. It it was, it was getting into sort of like um, just sort of academic ivory tower nonsense. And um, I was really discouraged by that. And then there was just something about the clarity of Lewis's thought and writing um, that, um, and uh, yeah, it was the clarity of his thought and writing that really drew me in. And then one day, one summer, I think it was probably between, second and third year of university, I read, uh, I probably read it before, but this time I read it and finally understood it. Uh, I read his um, essay, The Abolition of Man. And when I finished that book, I was like, that's it. I, I got it. Those are the answers I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart was settled on all of these sort of open questions and open issues that I was hoping to find in philosophy classes. And I was like, this is rational, this is reasonable, and I am satisfied intellectually with this. And so I quickly changed my degree from philosophy specialist, and I put in English, I put in English classes because and uh, more theology classes, and um, sort of went from somebody who is seeking an intellectual home in classes to somebody who is now wanting, who has sort of found found the arena and found the academic world that I really enjoyed and just wanted to, um, you know, um, absorb as much of it as I could while it was sort of appropriate for my age. Right. So the last two years of undergraduate and then two years of a master's degree. And then I, 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 um, I was ready for, you know, the real world. <laughs> uh, Amanda, did you already share that? Did you share a desire and love for Lewis already? Is that something that initially connected you all or is it something else? On Graham's dorm room door, he had pictures of three heroes, uh, Chesterton, mm-hmm. Lewis. Yeah. Can you do the third one? I'll be really impressed. Oh. 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 He's Scottish. Oh. And he's older than them. I don't remember. And uh, mm. I used to leave little notes on, uh, on the door underneath the characters, like written to him, like, hello, Mr. Lewis. Nice to see you today. Um, I hadn't really read much C.S. Lewis or met most of the books that Graham had been surrounded by. Um, so I've gotten a lot smarter uh, since we got together. Um, and I've become a better dresser. <laughs> uh, so you, you guys have both settled in, I think, to really cool careers. Graham, could you, could you start and talk a little bit about why you like classical education? It seems like a natural follow-up from your collegiate education, but yeah, maybe to you immediately. So how did you find it? What, what was that conversation like? So I found it. So Veritas, I teach at Veritas Academy, which is a classical Christian school. 
Um, I found it providentially on Craigslist, honestly. I was looking for tutoring jobs. I never wanted to be a classroom teacher. Um, the teaching, the job at the boarding school was not a very enjoyable situation and it kind of soured me on teaching. And so, but I liked working with students. And so I was looking for tutoring gigs and this was a mat leave. And I was like, I don't know anything about this school. But um, about two weeks, and I don't know anything about classical education. About two weeks into it, I realized, oh, what this movement in the, it's, it's, a, it's an educational movement that mainly has its, its roots in the South, in the Southern U.S. And, it's, um, and it's, it's sort of spread out. But I was like, oh, this thing that's called classical Christian education is what C.S. Lewis would have called school. Here is a, almost like a, a situation that I was perfectly built for that I didn't even know existed. So that has been a very um, uh, faith-building experience. That's awesome. Uh, it sounds like like you couldn't even plan that. That was providence and oh, God's plan for you. Yeah, not unlike Amanda's path, at least into the beginnings of graphic design. But it sounds like Amanda, you kind of focus now on on overall brand strategy or, or branding and what the message is. Could you talk a little bit about what you've been working on the past few years? Yeah. So um, I think like Graham, when I look back at all of the things that I did and was interested in and activities that I was exposed to and skills that I've inherited and, and things that were nurtured in me from my family, it all really does uh, point to the things that I'm able to do and express today. And that's, it's just a really humbling thing to reflect on. Um, the, I, I really enjoy brand strategy and um, really thinking through um, who are you? Who do you want to be? Wh- where are you today? Where do you want to go? How and how can we get get you there? Um, how do we make sure that you, as an organization that has this really great mission, vision, product, service, whatever it is, uh, effectively reaches the right audience in the right way at the right time? All that kind of traditional marketing, um, but. But what really kind of tugs my heartstrings is hearing stories of people who are really thinking um, about how to use resources in a responsible way. They're um, being mindful of their ecological impact. They are thinking more broadly about the social impact that they as a business owner have uh, within their own employees, but then also the broader community that they serve. And how do I help them get that message out so that other people can be part of that story and in a way um, support the human flourishing that I believe we're all designed for. And um, in in a small way, we can be part of that redemption story that um, I I think that God has called us into getting to to be part of on this side of eternity. So I really seek out um, companies, clients, um, folks that have these types of businesses um, because I want to partner with them and, and help bring their message and product and service to life and their, their brand uh, have a meaningful impact on the, on their customers. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I see a, a strong overlap between y'all two. And I love Amanda that you said human flourishing because Graham is 
developing you know good design for his students and you're developing this good design for this, these companies and their employees and the employers and you're both kind of pursuing this this wholesome good and you both it seems to be you both believe there's an objective good that that can be reached or at least you can strive for um and i want to transition that into what you're you're building in your home because it you know homes we all we all live somewhere and most people just buy a home just buy a normal home that has everything ready but you guys have a whole vision for your home and it's a it, you got a website for it and i love it could you tell us just overarching what what is this home project that you're working on so um we i think uh halfway into our living here in Austin we realized Graham was developing this amazing um community in these bonds at Veritas and surrounded by um people that he gets to pray with and uh serve with and it's this very um you know it's like half mission field half job and I'm working in a tech company and that's my mission field. And I also see kind of the apartment that we live in in the downtown and the neighbors that I'm meeting as, you know, my community whom I serve. So there's two very different spheres that we're both investing in. And we, we had these, we kept having this recurring conversation of how do we make those spheres overlap yeah. more? We yeah. started reading Wendell Berry together and this idea of a productive house um, really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is it that we produce together? And if I am doing all of my productive work, you know, in this marketing machine at, at a tech company, and Graham is doing his productive work kind of at school, like, what do we do together? And so that's where we started yeah. thinking about how can we um, – is it, is it feasible? Do we have the appetite um, to actually make productive land? Like literally take a page from Wendell Berry's farm book and, and you know, apply ourselves to land. And it made a lot of sense in Texas. It made a lot of sense um, because we have proximity to relatively um, a, affordable land. And as we started looking around, um, there's there's a there's land nearby the school and so all these things started to converge we we started to think about how then do we i've lived in this dense urban uh, environment for the last 10 plus years i'm not crazy about moving out to the country by myself how do we get our friends mm-hmm. to move with us yes yeah so we're like all right we don't just want to be like just the two of us out of this you know coyote land and and uh, <laughs> or whatever um uh, just a little word of warning to anybody listening to the podcast. Wendell Berry's potent. Like, don't just read Wendell Berry just for fun. <laughs> you will change your life. You will sell your belongings and like build a house out of mud. So just careful with him. Um, Be very careful. Yeah, but we were so we were thinking. Okay, well, we want. Um, we we know we wanted to move to 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 buy a piece of land, and we found this property uh it is literally it is walking distance to the new veritas campus which is pretty crazy so we'd always had this idea in the back of our mind of not of our home also being a place where other people would come to and we didn't really know how that was going to fit and then uh with veritas being the kind of school that it is um uh it's a a a, a half homeschool uh 
half in-class school. So it means every teacher that works there, uh, save a few, are, are all part-time. So um, uh, the school had bounced around ideas of building faculty housing on the land. And so Amanda and I were kind of into that um, ethos for a while until the project became unfeasible just because of the situation of the land and, and with the city of Austin. So we were like, well, we love the idea of having a place that is affordable so that teachers can make a life in Southwest Austin and work at a school that is focused on building up strong families and a big part of building up uh, a big part of the, the, the school is that because we're a half home school, a lot of our families are, um, you know, single parent uh, earners because uh, either uh, you get the, the, a lot of they, they have a homeschool um, desire or whatnot. So since we a lot of the faculty are, are in that position, we just really had a heart for can we can we make can we actually use this land for solving some of those problems? And so on the property, we're building, we have our, our house that a man and I are living in. We have a second house that we're building that we are renting out to um, a couple who uh, are good friends of ours, who uh, he works at the school with me. And uh, they are moving out there with their newborn son. I guess he's a year old now. And uh, so we're kind of, we're living out there and they independently also were reading Wendell Berry and, uh, and whatnot. So um uh, we try not to say the word compound because that sounds a little creepy, uh, <laughs> but no, but we are, our good friends. We all are all interested in a life of um, sort of ordering our affections and aura and laboris and prayer and work and, um, um, and being out there. Yeah. So uh, we've got this second house that we're going to be renting in, and we're going to be in a more of, of an intentional community with these dear friends of ours. That that's incredible. I I see also that that Benedict option uh, connection there that Rod yeah. Dreer. Uh, how have you seen God like provide directly into this this project? Maybe it's in the vision, or maybe it's in the supplies. Amanda, it sounds like you're hunting down very specific supplies <laughs> for the project. So, how have you seen God provide in it? Well, one day I logged on to Zillow, and there was this piece of land that ticked all the boxes, and it had been. It had been online for a month. a month, and then um, one of my former students, her father is a, a land a real estate broker, real estate agent, so I, she had graduated, so I, I, I emailed her. I was like, hey, does your dad know anything about this land? And a month later, he's, he was brokering the deal with us. So it was one of these things where we weren't even actively looking. We had actually given up. Uh, on pieces of land. We had done a big push about a year before we actually found this plot uh, and then kind of gave up on it saying like, ah, maybe we missed the window. Austin's getting kind of big. And, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we just sort of randomly found this thing. So there was that. Yeah. Finding the land, um, the vision for sure. I mean, just shaped by all of these little seeds along the way Mm -hmm. and having that joint vision that we felt really, strong strongly that it did not come from us it was something um that god planted in us and then like materially um i have prayed for very specific brands (laughs) of items that god has been provided i'm not kidding and 
Um, the, We've been getting into like George Mueller territory of answered prayer. The the best best story is I I prayed for wall hung toilets, <laughs> and I actually Wait, you, found, hold on hold on Amanda. Can you explain how this is different from the one over here behind me in the in the restroom here? So a wall hung toilet actually uh, the tank is inside the wall so the toilet can hang on the wall so there's nothing sitting on the concrete just like an airport or a fancy european house Okay 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 continue please So I had my heart set on wall hung toilets and I started asking the lord to provide for me and I was hunting um and of course I could buy these new but they're super expensive and it just felt like a frivolous um, line item. So I was asking the Lord to provide this for me. And I went on next door. I was going on next door, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace. I do the rounds every single day. And there was someone who had uh, them for sale. They had been for sale for two years. I contacted the guy. He still had them. He sold me two and I got them for the price of one, which I think was an accident on his part. But we did the exchange in a Lowe's parking lot, and they are installed in my house right now. The wow. Lord answers prayer. Yeah, I'm still a little skeptical to say that that God has uh, 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 bequeathed us specific toilets. But I mean, uh, patio sliding doors, tile from the exact tile company that I that I wanted to buy from. Uh, plumbing fixtures, like all these things, because we've had this goal of trying to do buy as non-toxic mm -hmm. as possible. And that often is more expensive and or really hard to find. And or hard to find people who are, are comfortable installing it. In yes. Way. And so these are things that like we, again, it's like, I feel like God's given us the vision for it. And then he's then provided the actual supplies for it. Yeah. Um, our builder has been awesome to work with just the team of people that have come ar around us, just how easy all of these things seem to have been the neighborhood getting, especially during this COVID time, getting to meet a lot of neighbors, having really amazing people start to, um, welcome us into their lives and allow us to start to develop, you know, friendships and, per and, and, um, serve them. It's just, it's clear that God wants us here and we're just so excited to see mm -hmm. how he continues to, to to use the the property and us in this place um but we're also hoping that it is something that we can say listen this house is um is, is sustainable the air quality inside the house is you know uh, uh fantastic for people if they have asthma you know it's just all of these these things it's a very healthy uh, environment to live in and it's something that is going to uh, last for a long time we want our life to be uh, a conduit of god's vision for human beings living in his creation as created creatures being good stewards of resources what people follow along for this this project that you're doing so the website is consider a field and that comes Dark. to Dot what? It's like dot wordpress.com something like that. Dot home. It's dot a home. really bad it's a really bad URL. Um but consider a field comes from Proverbs oh thirty one and this idea of of um kind of the extension of uh the the woman who is providing for her family. <laughs> hey, come on. I have a job. 
<laughs> father-in-law there. Um, that's awesome. And I tell you what, uh, listeners, whenever you pull it up, you're going to see this wonderful picture of these two Texans with their cowboy hats on, and it's awesome, and I love it. Graham and Amanda, thank you so much for joining me tonight and, and talking to Providence about your life. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, Thanks Jamie. Thanks. Great job. Next week, we'll be hearing from Claire Hogan about family, her role at a major magazine, and curating beauty. Thanks for listening.